The year 1823 was a very special year. Um, in 1823, William Webb Ellis picked up the ball and ran with it at rugby school. Uh, in 1823, uh, Beethoven was putting the finishing touches to his Ninth Symphony, and we'll hear a bit, of, a bit more about that later. But in 1823, the first service took place here at St John's Downshire Hill. And we're going to be uh, hearing about this building and what it's meant over the last 200 years uh, during our time together this evening. It stood here all that time at the junction of Downshire Hill and Keats Grove, um, a landmark that many people notice as they walk past and as they go about their, their lives in Hampstead, um, a prominent and much uh, appreciated landmark. And it's much loved by people such as uh, the former poet laureate Sir John Betjeman. And he wrote this about St John's Downshire Hill. He said, St John's Downshire Hill is remarkable, attractive, and deserves to be cherished. It is one of the last of the proprietary chapels of the Church of England to survive. And this is what makes it remarkable. It is attractive because its stucco regency exterior fits in perfectly with this charming bit of Old Hampstead. Moreover, inside it is a comparatively unrestored example of regency architecture with box pews. I've known it for many years, indeed since early childhood, and everyone who appreciates what is left of London is bound to feel affection for it. Well, today, St John's continues primarily to be a place of Christian worship, but it's also been used much over the years as a concert venue. And we're going to be enjoying a concert together this evening as we, as we embark on a chronological mystery tour of the last 200 years of music. Uh, we can't cover everything, but we're going to be stopping off at a few key points along the way of, uh, of music from the last 200 years. And we're beginning with a little bit of Paganini. Well, our story begins uh, before 1823. So let's cast our minds back. What was Hampstead like? over 200 years ago. Well, of course, it was, a, at that point, a small settlement uh, on a hill kind of overlooking the city, overlooking London, uh, a place in the countryside, a place that people would come to to take the waters. Hampstead Wells was what it was known as, and that remains now with, with Well Walk, and we can still see where the fountains are today. So uh, this, where we're standing now, where I'm standing, where you're sitting, was Red Lion Hill, part of Red Lion Farm. It's amazing to think of it as a completely different sort of area all those years ago. But after the Great Fire of London in 1666, um, wealthier Londoners began uh, over the sort of 100, 150 years that followed to look for ways to leave the cramped conditions of the city of London. They looked for places to live out in the countryside but still within striking distance of the capital. And so they began to move to places like Hampstead. And if people move to a place like this, then you need houses and streets. And so they began to build uh, how, uh, streets like this street here on Downshire Hill. 
and uh, when you build a new street, uh, ta the town planners of those days knew an essential amenity for a new street and a new area is a new church. Now generally, when they moved out to, to, to build these new uh, towns and settlements, uh, there would be an existing parish church, and that might be covering quite a large area, and that parish church would have the right to the tithes from the land and from the income uh, from that area. That's how uh, the parish churches were funded. And so the question would then be, well, how is a new church going to be funded? Where is it going to get its money from? And uh, they, they were uh, inventive, and they came up with uh, uh, two answers to that question for funding the new churches. The answers were private enterprise and pew rent. So private individuals would build and then initially own the church buildings, which they would then allow to be used for Christian worship. And then the kind of ongoing costs of the church would be met by pew rent, renting pews. So we still have these original box pews today. These are the original pews. If you look very carefully at them, you can see on the doors of these wonderful pews um, are numbers. And uh, that's why they have doors, is so that you know this is my pew. And this is the one I, I am renting. So it's like having a box or a seat at the Royal Albert Hall or the Emirates Stadium. You know, this is my, my place where I can come and, um, and I'll be let in. So in, in, in connection with, with, with those box pews, we I found in the archives um, a story of uh, a chap called J.H. Humphreys. I don't know what his name, proper name was, but J.H. Humphreys is how he was known. Uh, he was a church warden here in the early 20th century, over 100 years ago. And I found an account written by his niece about J.H. Humphreys. Um, and this is what uh, she said about him. He was a short, stout, active man, brusque in manner, but with a heart of gold. He used to shoot up the aisle, almost push people into the pews, and then turn the catch on them, as if to say, I've got you safely penned in. <laughs> we don't do that anymore. <laughs> and then uh, she goes on, she said, she once heard him give a speech at a church meeting, and he said, I want the money. I don't care how you get it, but I want the money. There you go. Well, that money would have come from the renting out of pews. So I don't know whether J.H. Humphreys would have approved of... Uh, some of the items of music that we're listening to this evening, particularly jazz in, in church, um, but I'm sure uh, Schubert would have been more than acceptable to him. We're going to listen to some Schubert now and another couple of things after that. Well, back in 1823, a vicar, a lawyer and a builder got together, which sounds like the beginning of a bad joke. <laughs> but they went into business together to build this building. The builder was William Woods, and uh, he had previously built Wentworth Place, which is now Keats House, just here on Keats Grove. And uh, he, the, the building was constructed from bricks that had been taken from the demolished and decaying farmhouse from Red Lion Farm and other buildings like that around the place. And they turned that into this beautiful building. The first proprietor, the first owner, was the Reverend Dr. Henry Worsley. 
and he gave his name to Worsley Road. Now, if you're wondering where is Worsley Road today, well, it, it used to be the bottom half of Pilgrim's Lane. So Pilgrim's Lane was the top half, and then all the, all the house numbers started again, and suddenly it was Worsley Road. And then uh, in about the, in the 1980s or sometime around like that, um, Michael Foote, local resident um, and leader of the Labour Party, um, uh, uh, campaigned to get the street united and all the uh, house numbers had to change. Uh, but uh, that, uh, and, and that meant that yeah, that reference to that first proprietor, Dr Worsley, was lost. But they called the building, and they called this church St John's Downshire Hill. Now, why St John's? Well, they called it after the parish church. Now, we, we often refer to the parish church today as Hampstead Parish Church, but its official name is St John at Hampstead. And so they called it after that. That was St John, the, St. John at Hampstead. This is St John Downshire Hill. Um, we kind of wish they'd chosen a different name, though, because today it does cause quite a lot of confusion. And so people regularly turn up at either building thinking that they found the other one. And so both of us are regularly the wrong St. John's. <laughs> the first service took place, as I said before, on the 26th of October, 1823, uh, led by the first minister, William Harness. Uh, but before we go further with that story, we're going to take the A train. And um, some here will know that it's this weekend is the Autumn Festival. Um, and we'll be delighted to uh, hear uh, the song Fragrance of the Night uh, sung after that. Well, people often like to pop into the building when they're walking past, maybe on a sunny afternoon, and they like to come in and have a look. And they're often surprised when they come in by what they find. They comment on the simplicity of the architecture inside, and often also the light, particularly during the day, uh, but how light it is in here compared to many uh, sort of traditional English church buildings. And uh, the, the, the simplicity of the architecture uh, matches and reflects the beliefs about God that those who uh, built this building had. Um, they wanted to be clear, this building is built for Jesus Christ. Um, they uh, made sure we knew that by putting lots of words on the wall. There aren't sort of uh, other ornaments in here. They're not, not much adornment, but there are words. So we've got the Ten Commandments, the Creed, the Lord's Prayer, and then verses from the Bible written in gold along the bottom of the gallery. So uh, here is the most famous verse in the Bible up here. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And by putting that on the wall, they, 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 those who designed this building were getting to the heart of what Christians believe about God and about Jesus. And again, there's, there's something about that, that simplicity that matches the simplicity of the message. It's often been said the Christian faith is simple enough for a child to understand, but deep enough to inspire reflection for eternity. Many people think that you know, Christianity is primarily about what we must do for God. But that verse is telling us that actually it's really about what God has done 
for us in sending his son into the world so that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. And our response to that is not to have to prove that we are good enough but to receive what is offered in Jesus Christ as a gift. And if you think about it in a world that constantly demands that we prove that we're good enough and we kind of know that particularly in, in North London, that is a hugely liberating message that has inspired generations uh, meeting in this building over the last 200 years. From the beginning, St John's Downshire Hill was associated with the evangelical movement in England. Evangelical just means centred on that simple good news gospel message. And the reason for that can be traced back, or one of the reasons can be traced back to a visit to Hampstead in 1739 by George Whitfield, um, who's one of the founders of the Methodist movement. And um, you'll know that if you, if you know that the local area down at the bottom of Downshire Hill, there's a children's playground. If you just turn left before you get onto Heathteeth Road, you're on Willow Road, you've got a playground on your right, and then you've got a little hill, a little patch of grass, and that is called Preacher's Hill. And that is, is named that because that is where George Whitfield came and preached. And we know that because um, he wrote a diary, he wrote it in his diary, then he'd come to Hampstead, and it's interesting to hear what he wrote. He said, um, he wrote in his diary, the audience was of the politer sort. <laughs> well, this is Hampstead. He said, most were attentive, but some mocked. So there you go. But his, his ministry had a huge effect both on what became known as non-conformists, people outside of the Church of England, but also still actually within the Church of England too, continue to have um, an effect, including on, on one John Wilcox, who, who became, after the, the Reverend Dr. Henry Worsley that I mentioned before, he became a proprietor not long after that, in the sort of 1830s, of uh, proprietor of St. John's, and he built a school just across the road, which has since been turned into flats, uh, but um, that the, uh, he, he was active in ministry here. Um, but being one of those evangelicals brought him into conflict with the vicar of Hampstead Parish Church, whose name was Dr. White. Now, Dr. Wh um, he, he was the owner, but Dr. White, uh, Wilcox was the owner, but Dr. White's consent was required in order for Wilcox to actually become the minister, not just the owner of the building, but in order to be able to minister here, the permission of the vicar of the parish had to be sought. Now, um, John Keats had previously called Dr. White, the vicar of Hampstead Parish Church, previously called him the parson at Hampstead quarrelling with all the world, which tells you a little bit about what he might be like. But he didn't like John Wilcox. Uh, possibly something to do with the fact Dr. White was a sort of public school educated man. Uh, John Wilcox, uh, wanting to be the minister here, was an innkeeper's son from Gloucester. And uh, as a result, the congregation here and, and the local residents too, uh, including relatives of the, um, uh, Samuel Taylor Coleridge living on Downshire Hill, uh, did all kinds of petitioning to try and uh, overturn this, this refusal to allow John Wilcox to become the minister here. 
Uh, but the Bishop of London had a, had a consistory court of arches, and the, the case was heard and found in favour of Dr. White at the parish church. And so St. John's Downshire Hill at that point in the 1830s very nearly left the Church of England over this point. But then John Wilcox died, and that was the way out of that situation. So the standoff ended. A, a, a new minister was found who was more... Uh, acceptable to Dr. White's tastes, and the next appointment was not refused. So that was a bit of a Hampstead incident. And uh, we're going to listen to a couple of other uh, uh, jazz pieces, and then we've got a song, a bit more unusual, uh, that you'll see on the, on the programme. May, I don't know whether you'll be familiar with it, but it's a beautiful song uh, telling the story of a, a different sort of Hampstead incident. Um, so let's listen to these. Well, the deal with uh, proprietary chapels is that normally over time they become parish churches. Um, uh, but as Hampstead grew in the second half of the 19th century, as they looked to think, you know, where should this be a parish church? They looked at St John's Downshire Hill and they said, no, it's too small. And so they built St Stephen's uh, Church, which is at the top of Pond Street on Roslyn Hill. Uh, which uh, was open and, and, uh, for about 100 years, but then uh, closed in, in 1977 and is now uh, given to, to community use in various different ways. But today, St John's Downshire Hill remains a proprietary chapel. It's actually the only proprietary chapel in the Diocese of London, which covers the whole of London north of the river. Um, it's financially independent of the Church of England as a result. It's owned no longer by individuals, but by a charitable limited company which shares the name of the church, St John's Downshire Hill, with trustees, directors, if you like, of the company who are members of the congregation. But this building was uh, listed as a grade one listed building, uh, same category as Buckingham Palace and uh, many other beautiful, uh, much-loved buildings in this country. Um, but that has meant that it has required serious work over the years to maintain it and to keep it in condition where it can be continued to be enjoyed and used. There have been numerous appeals over the years. There's a, a, we put out at the table at the back, we found the kind of leaflets and, and pamphlets and things that they used in the past to to try and raise money and it's fascinating to see how money changes over the years so there's I think there's a leaflet asking you know to raise we need to raise the sum of seven thousand pounds in order to kind of do the, the great work that is required and there's been lots of work done at various points on the roof and all kinds of things most recently the major project that happened was in 2003 to 2004 where it was necessary to raise two million pounds uh, which was done from grants from the congregation and from many local residents as well. And that work was necessary to stop the church from falling down the hill. Um, because what was happening was it's, it hadn't ever been given proper foundations. And so at various points, I'm told, I wasn't here, but I'm told that the, 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 the wall was separate from the roof. You could see day, daylight, all kinds of things. So the major things had to be done. And in, the, in, in doing that, they dug down underneath, put proper foundations in, and then put in the beautiful halls that we have downstairs to use for um, different activities. Um, so uh, that has helped it. It's helped to preserve this building so it can continue to be used. 
um, and it continues to be used today. Our vision today is living for Jesus and sharing his good news. We're sticking with that uh, simplicity matched by the building, the simplicity of that message that we heard about earlier and looking for ways to connect that with uh, the, the local community. At the moment, we've got a particular desire and concern to, to reach out beyond the fringe. So if you like, there are, there are lots of people, as I've been talking about, who, who will just walk into this building. And they'll see it open and they'll think, I'll go in and have a look. But there are people who, who would never do that. And they don't live too far away from here very often. People living in very different circumstances. And this is a church with lots of resources uh, and people with expertise um, that, we, that, that can offer uh, help to people living in very different circumstances. And so we're looking at ways at the moment to be able to serve people in those kinds of um, uh, circumstances, particularly in, in, in crisis, uh, to reach out with, uh, to help them practically and spiritually as well. Well, it's been a, a wonderful evening. We're going to finish by uh, going back to 1823, um, to Beethoven, to Ode to Joy. It's a great anthem, the European anthem. And um, if uh, this is a, this, you're invited, if you wish, uh, to just join in with singing, just where you are uh, seated. No pressure, but the choir is going to come and lead us from uh, the stage. So let's enjoy this together now. Well, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us this evening. Um, make sure you don't uh, leave without the uh, colour booklet that you've got most of the seats. That has a sort of potted history of the building we'd love you to take that away. I think that is a memento of this evening. Um, you can also see on the back of the programme a couple of other events that are coming up. So we've got uh, an actual anniversary service and a lunch afterwards on, the, on Sunday the 5th of November. We didn't go for the actual 26th of October because that's during half term, but that's a Sunday that's close to that. And uh, that'll be, there'll be a lunch there. Anyone's invited to that lunch, but for the lunch you need to sign up, and there's a link if you go to that web address, um, and uh, then you sign up via Eventbrite uh, to come to that. They're all are welcome uh, from the community and beyond. And, um, there is also uh, going to be an art, an art exhibition um, on Saturday the 18th of November. One of the things that you'll see at the back, if you look on the table, is what they did when they celebrated 150 years of St John's Stanton Hill back in 1973, which is before I was born. And, and 50 years ago, what did they do? They had an organ concert and uh, they had an exhibition of church architecture. So we kind of got, just got slightly broadened the theme. So a concert of, of music, but an exhibition of, of artists. And we've got some talented artists from within the church and, and um, beyond. And we will be um, uh, exhibiting some of that work on that day, Saturday the 18th of November. We've also just put that at the bottom. We're going to be running a short course called Hope Explored on three Thursday evenings. We do this every so often. It's a chance for anybody who, who'd like to come and explore a bit more about the Christian faith, what Christians believe, look at what the Bible says about these things. It's a chance to discuss, to ask questions. It's uh, very relaxed and informal. Uh, the details are there, everything you need to know about that and how to sign up. If you'd like to join us, that's free. Those three Thursday evenings would be more than welcome. It'd be great to see you. Uh, but for now, um, do have a look at those resources at the back and 
I do enjoy um, some, more, some more drinks to enjoy together as well. Um, and uh, let's just give our musicians a final round.